Chapter Six of Lord Dolphin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Lord Dolphin by Harriet Anna Cheever. Chapter Six: My Treasure Grounds. Are you tired? no well that's no great wonder it is ever so much easier to glide through the water on the broad back of a great fish than to ride horseback or in a car my sails or fins flap quietly to and fro the water parts readily to make us a path no rough winds blow away your hat there is no danger way down here that a boat will bang against us and roll you off into a cavern or a cave now i am taking you into deeper water which still is not very deep but i want to show you some other strange things in the world i live in here we go sailing in and out of rocks but do not be alarmed i know them all perhaps you wonder what it is that we keep pressing against something soft and smooth that sends extra sprays of water over us what can it be well now put on your thinking cap what does your mother wash the baby with what does michael wash the carriage with and what is that object in the wire holder in the bathtub ah a sponge you exclaim yes and here is where they grow what sponges grow you ask certainly and just as with the coral it took folks a long time to find out whether sponges were plants shrubs or insects now it is decided that the sponge is an animal growth and the same as with coral the tiny creatures that it starts from dies and out from the skeleton or frame branches the sponge that sometimes grows very large and sometimes is of a kind that remains small one may be as big as a mop others no larger than an egg down in the blue mediterranean sea are found the best sponges that grow they are called horny sponges and grow in great masses fine yet tough and durable a sponge from the mediterranean called the turkey sponge will cost three times as much as a coarser more brittle one from other waters they are porous or full of little holes and hollows we fishes like to bang against the sponges and feel the sudden spray dash over us water we have all around and about us but a shower bath is not as common a thing when you buy a sponge it is round flat or cone-shaped now see what they look like under water here is a little tree you say oh no it is only a mass of sponges piled together and branching out as they grow here are fans arches tiny caves and many different shapes forming a sponge garden queer isn't it oh lots of things are queer until you learn about them would you like to see how i wash myself don't laugh so loud you might scare the fishes 
I know very well that it seems to you as if I was washing or bathing all the time, but there, some kind of a water bug has plumped right down into my head and left a lot of sticky sand on it that the water does not wash away. Now don't be alarmed. I won't let you be swept from my back. I'm only going to wash my head. See me swim directly under this mass of sponge, swaying out from a rock. There will be no bits of sand clinging to me after I have been sponged a few moments. Here is a sponge that looks as if almost as large as your sun when it rises out of the water. But if you squeeze that fellow dry, the sponge, not the sun, it will not begin to be the size it is now. You could press it into a bowl of moderate size when dry, but then take it to the pump or the faucet, fill it with water, and my, what a balloon! Sponges were once called worm nests, and were thought to be mere kind of seaweed but looked at under the sea it would be known at once that they were are neither nest nor weed once in a while sponges seem to spring directly up from the mud without anything to cling to but generally they are fastened to rocks or large stones and spread out and out from them here they look so much like a kind of herb that folks who make a study of things in nature, and are called naturalists, for a long time took them to be a kind of sea-plant, and for years it was a puzzle as to just what they were, all full of pores or layers of small cells, and some are quite pretty from having a fringe about the cells, like eyelashes. There are others curiously shaped, looking like coral sprays, and here and there they look like helmets. Then there is another form that seems to have long fingers running out, and is called mermaid's gloves. The form called Venus flower basket, large and basket-shaped, might answer for a mermaid's work basket, and hold her thimble, scissors, and thread. You had better take care. A mermaid may be near this very moment and hear you laughing, and remember she could spin you around from one end of the sea to another, then leave you high and dry on a big rock in the middle of the ocean. Now, on what do sponges feed? Dear sakes, as if they feed on anything. Yes, they do. Although they branch and bunch out in the forms described, yet they do not roam about but only float or swim out as far as they can stretch themselves while firmly fastened to a rock. Here they take in specks or particles that float through the water. They pass through the open pores of the body and answer for food. The water constantly passing through them serves to refresh and keep them round and healthy. Here we come to a perfect thicket of sponges and see the fishes playing tag all around them. There, that shy little fish, like a salt-water pickerel, nipped the tail of that great clumsy porpoise. Porpoise, so hard I heard the big fish grunt. The teeth of a pickerel are fearfully long and sharp. Oh, oh, what 
is that most beautiful thing we see shining with a faint sweet glow down at the bottom of the sea it is in plain sight nestled in the heart of a conch shell it is round has a milk-like murkiness yet pinky changing lights like tiny stars that glint and gleam as you look upon it now believe me one of the treasures of the sea i have told you of or shown you this is far and away the most precious it is a pearl only once in a great while will so perfect and so valuable a gem be found near my deep water home and although we are not very far east yet it would be called an orient or an eastern pearl perhaps it has floated in a polished pink bed from a far eastern sea i told you a little while ago that i must explain what an oyster had to do with folks that sported too many jewels and why it might be amused at the sight did you know that inside of an oyster shell grew the lovely costly pearls that folks will give a great deal of money for why queen victoria of england had a scotch pearl that cost two hundred dollars queens and princes rich folks jewelers and dealers in precious stones will give great sums of money for necklaces brooches or rings that have in them the precious oriental pearls i had to listen very hard to find out what i did about pearls but i found that they have been known talked of and written about almost ever since the beginning of the world Oyster beds are generally much nearer the shore than most kinds of shells. It is said to be when an oyster gets restless or uneasy that a strange substance enters the edge of the shell, and after a time a pearl is formed. And while many pearls are found in oyster shells, they are often found fastened to the pink bosom of a conch shell. There are black pearls of much value but though rare they are never as beautiful as a white or pink one some pink pearls are very lovely and while large sized are also very expensive the pearl we see lying here is a splendid white one and my the money it would bring pick up that shell carry it with you to a jeweler and see the dollars the fair round gem will, will bring your purse you could buy yourself beautiful clothes or a pony or have with it a fine party flowers favors treat and all what don't dare to oh me me what a little coward i can't pick it up very well if i took it in my mouth down my throat it would go if i tried to catch it up with a fin over into the water it would bounce never mind look at its sweetly beautiful conch shell with the splendid gem resting so softly on its pink polished side and let me tell you what i think the opinion of a fish even as a great lordly one may not be worth much but to me that exquisitely lovely stone reposing on that exquisitely lovely shell is a far more beautiful thing to look upon than the jewel ever could be when fitted into the costliest setting of gold 
now it is just as it was made and i think that whoever formed and set that pearl knew more about real beauty and fitness and what is simple natural and very beautiful than all the folks and jewelers in the world look at that white splendor don't you agree with me end of chapter six recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver bc